0: thank you for that oh voice is already this is just number two of five and the voice is already starting to go that's that's bad news 2020 huh it's just man it is first day back from lockdown it is good to be here it's good to see everybody's faces if you're at home welcome glad you're here uh, I'm excited I've been pumped about this all week uh, I gotta say welcome to the third uh, Sunday of Advent joy And now i got to be honest with you, I've felt the pressure all week. Everybody that I've talked to or seen from church is like, joy, yeah, bring it, bring the joy. So I felt the pressure. And if I'm real honest with you, when Laura asked me to uh, to to do uh, joy for Advent, I kind of felt like that was the short straw of the Advent season this year, Um, 2020, right? joy in 2020 joy has felt like a commodity as scarce as toilet paper in april (laughs) right i mean for those of you that are watching from home we dealt with a global pandemic of unbelievable proportions by hoarding toilet paper and so to answer your obvious question we don't know why we did that either um Now if Laura had asked me to speak on frustration, sadness, anger, maybe becoming a a little bit of a conspiracy theorist, or teetering on an anti-vaxxer, now that would be something I think I could uh, handle talking about at length, but joy in 2020. Never mind a global pandemic. Christmas can be extremely difficult for some at the best of times. And so as we barrel towards Christmas, if your heart is struggling for joy this year, I want to propose that some of the negative feelings we might be experiencing that are challenging our joy are tied to our experience with grief. So uh, I work with an organization called Vital Church Ministry. We work with churches in transition or crisis. And this year, we uh, we produced a survey to help churches kind of re-enter out of the lockdown uh, season. And so you may remember this summer, uh, we as a church took uh, a, that survey to kind of help the church navigate what it's gonna look like for us to re-engage and kind of uh, judge people, kind of where are people at and kind of gauge their heart and one of the line of questioning in that survey, we asked uh, experience of symptoms of grief. We wanted to measure that. And of the churches here and the churches in the states that took that survey, what we saw was a significant percentage of people experiencing symptoms of grief. What we also saw is that due to some of the other responses that were, um, am I, do I need to hold this closer, hot mic? Farther away Um, due to some of the other possible uh, responses of that survey that some people maybe weren't recognizing their feelings and their declining mental health as possible symptoms of grief so what does grief have to do with the changes the transitions that we're experiencing in life in a year like 2020 isn't grief what we do or what we go through when someone dies. Well, yes. But grief un- accompanies all kinds of loss. Large things like the loss of loved ones, people close to us, but it also grief comes along with smaller challenges, smaller changes, like having to talk to people without actually getting to see their face, not being able to visit family, not able to embrace, shake hands. I mean, how many people here would just like to hug your mother right now? Yeah. yeah. So that feeling you kind of got that a little, well, that's, that's grief. Every change involves uh, loss and every loss creates grief. Canceling your holidays and then spending the next six months fighting to try to get your money back. Grief. Right. I'm going to be at five churches this Sunday no donuts I want my donuts back it's grief there's an organization called renew and uh, they walk with pastors missionaries leaders uh, and churches through uh, seasons of great grief and they do some training in this area and this is what they have to say about grief It says grief comes out in many ways and it's unique for each person sometimes it can be hard to even realize when you're grieving because our expression of it often doesn't line up with what we think it should look like it often is a mix of physical emotional mental and spiritual symptoms and here are some but it's this is not an exa- certainly not an exhaustive list of Symptoms of grief. So, ready? You can number them off. You can kind of keep score for yourself. Ready? If you're feeling any more of a little bit more of one of these than normal, then you can count it anger, betrayal, defensiveness, sadness, numbness, loneliness, tears, nausea, denial, trouble sleeping, shame, envy, getting sick, brain fog, confusion, muscle tightness, despair, bitterness, headaches, nightmares, relief, frustration, guilt gladness, hurt, resentment, bargaining, excitement, depression, hope, acceptance, fatigue, and questioning. That felt like Tuesday. I don't did I leave anybody off. No? If left undealt with, unchecked, unprocessed, the effects of grief can have a profound effect on our physical and mental Health. You would have to sit right here in front, wouldn't you? They place you right here in front. It's my wife, Victoria. uh, Years ago, we've been trying for kids for years. And uh, obviously, it hadn't happened. Uh, Five or six years ago, in the late autumn, uh, it was confirmed that that wasn't going to be possible by natural means barring a miracle or some alternative means, um, kids was not, at least naturally, gonna be a part of our future. And when that was confirmed, it's needless to say that it was devastating and that grief was profound. We, mean, we know that many of you have similar experiences or stories of pain, loss, and missed expectations, or maybe even completely different areas of your life, but yet the grief is there and it's real. And that grief can seem to go on forever. Years after we got the confirmation, uh, one of the partners of Vital Church had come over, a friend, a mentor, a colleague. Uh, He's a partner in the ministry. Uh, His name's Greg Crusoe. He was visiting, and we were in our lounge, and we were kind of chatting about this, and I was telling him our story, and I was getting emotional and telling him about uh, my struggle for joy even then. And he said this. He said, the uncommon path to joy is through grief. The uncommon path to joy is through grief. Now, this is where the paradox, the divine paradox comes into play. The gospel is paradoxical, or it's counterintuitive. We go down to go up. There's always death before resurrection. And to get to the land of joy, we have to go through the land of grief. Now, our soul wants to avoid grief, wants to go around it, but God says, no, you must travel through grief to get to joy. But the good news is this, God says, I'll go with you. Amen? So grab your Bibles, turn to Psalm uh, 6. And what we're going to see today is we're going to look at Psalm 6 and we're going to, we're going to let it show us how acknowledging our grief, tell, truth telling to God and agreeing with God's perspective of our situation is the uncommon path to joy. So I think the words will be up on the screen. Let's start in verse 1. Verse 1, Psalm 6. The Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger. Do not discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are shaking. My whole being is shaken with terror. And you, Lord, how long? Turn, Lord, rescue me. Save me, from your, save me because of your faithful love. For there is no remembrance of you in death. Who can thank you and shield? So first, let's acknowledge our grief let's be let's acknowledge where we're at now I used to blast through the the Psalms in a Bible read through if you're not in a Bible read through you need to get in a Bible read through right yeah so if you're not it's been like it's been amazing through this this season but um, I used to really just like let's do all the Psalms in one week let's just get them over with I never really connected with them I just want to plow through them but recently in recent years I've really come to appreciate the honesty, the transparency, the authenticity of the emotion that the Psalm writers express to God. Now Psalm 6 is a lament of David and it's David is experiencing serious and difficult circumstances and this is his heartfelt, honest response to God. Lord, how long? Lord, how long? David's confused. He's upset. He feels his circumstances could be the result of God's wrath due to sin. Maybe. But David doesn't name any specific sins. He wonders if, uh, what, his, uh, what, if what he's experienced is God's uh, angry discipline. And it's true that God disciplines those he loves, but it's never out of anger. Or is God doing something different with David? Regardless, regardless of the circumstances, uh, uh, through his trials, David is acknowledging to God his emotional and physical response to his circumstances. We see here, physically, his bones are shaking. He's sick. He's physically sick from his experience. Emotionally, it says he's afraid. Mentally, he feels loss and is in need of rescue. He's even questioning God. Hey, where are you? Are you even here? Are you in control? What's going on? And we see at the root of this response is fear. My whole being is shaken with terror. Now, has David done something wrong or is God at work in other ways through his circumstances? James 1, 2 give us some, gives us some possible insights into the trials and tribulations that we experience. It says this, Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, but endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking Nothing. So what's God doing with David? Could God be allowing trials to do a maturing work in David? I think the hint could, we could see a hint here in verse 2. Verse 2, it says, Be gracious to me, Lord, for I am weak. I am weak. It's not a feeling of weakness. It's not a, it's, it's, it's an identity. It's like, it's like he's identifying with weakness. Could it be that God is revealing a lie or a wrong belief or a false identity in David? I am weak. Is that true? David, the weak one. That's not the identity that God gave David. It wasn't the identity God gave David through Saul when Saul went to David's father, Jesse. And among went to Jesse, and among Jesse's sons, he went to find the king. The king is God's identity for David. What are the possible lies or false identities that this year has revealed in you? And what's the root? What's the root of that lie or those false identities? For David, the root of that, or the root of his weakness was fear. The root of our sin, the root for our sin, the negative emotions, the false identity can be found oftentimes in the same place. Fear. What is it we're afraid of? And there's not a shortage of things that we can point our finger at here at 2020. But like David, acknowledge what's really going on. Express your 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 true heart and your, and your circumstances but what do we do about it all right verse six he goes on he says i'm very i'm weary from my groaning with my tears i dampen my pillow i drench my bed every night my eyes are swollen with grief they grow old because of my enemies so what do we do secondly do this be honest with god about your feelings And your perspective see we see here David's not holding back he's appropriately honest and transparent with how he's feeling he's being a truth-teller now of all people Christians you'd think that we would be truth-tellers right we would be marked as truth-tellers but the reality is we lie all the time We fight with our wives all the way to church, and then we get here and we fake it for an hour, right? I mean, I got some coffee stains. I just poured coffee on my trousers out, and I'm going to probably hear about that later. But I'll say everything's fine. Everything's fine. Sorry, I threw you under the bus there. Yeah, good. Thank you. Uh, Vital Church, with Vital Church, uh, unfortunately we often work with churches where behind the scenes in a church the wheels are falling off, but yet as they get up in front they just project like everything is just rainbows and butterflies until the truth comes out. And the truth then is devastating for the church. That's deceptive, it's called lying. And now we wouldn't lie to God, right? We're super spiritual, we wouldn't lie to God, no, our prayers are, Dear Lord. I trust everything is in your hands, and I know that you wouldn't give us anything more than we can handle. Well, Do you believe that? I mean, if you do, if that is honestly where you're at, then that is awesome. You need to be on the prayer team, and you can pray for the rest of us. Because the rest of us, when we experience this grief, we, still, we tend to try to just resist it. We deny it. We shut off the facets of grief that we're experiencing. And some of the common ways we do this include numbing it out. We use activities as an escape so that you don't have to feel your emotions. We binge watch Netflix. We binge eating. We exercise. All can be tools used to numb our grief. Hey, guys, how's the porn addiction going? We're seeing a rise in that, like, it's just unheard of. Busyness, we work, long hours over to, uh, we work long hours over committing ourselves in order that not to have time to experience our grief. We focus on the positive. We deny unwanted feelings by redirecting the attention to the good in the situation. We serve others, fixating on serving others, spouse, children, clients, so you don't have to, the space or the time to examine your own life. We rationalize coming up with excuses or explanations that help you dismiss unwanted emotions. So let's stop lying. How about we start there? Let's stop lying to God and to others and become truth-tellers. Truth-telling. That's confession. Truth-telling. Confession is truth-telling to God, being honest with God about your feelings and your perspective. Dear God, Lord in heaven, this year sucks! Where are you? Are you even in control? I don't don't feel you. I don't sense you. God, I'm acting out in sinful ways to mask my pain because if I acknowledge it, I'm afraid you won't be there. And I'll have another panic attack. I believe, but help me in my unbelief. That's the kind of prayer God can work with. Truth telling to God about what you're actually afraid of. For David, his fear was of all his enemies. Even though David never lost, he didn't lose when he listened to God and was obedient to God. His enemies only had victory when he acted out of fear. So what about you? What do you need to truth tell to God? Acknowledge your grief, confess, truth tell to God. Let's continue. Verse eight, where do we go from here? He says here, he says, depart from me, evildoers, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea for help. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be ashamed and shake with terror. They will turn back and suddenly be disgraced. So finally, agree with God's perspective of your situation. Here, David shows us the reorientation of his mind. He doesn't stay rooted in his fear of his enemies. Instead, he chooses to rest in God's truth. The Lord has heard me. The Lord accepts my prayer. Why? Why does he hear and accept his prayer? Because David's so awesome. Have you read David's story? Or has he ticked all the religious boxes? His prayers are so amazing that God just can't help himself self but answer them? Is he super spiritual? No. The reason is simple. In short, he repents. He repents. Repentance is knowing and listening to God, agreeing with Him about your current situation and responding in obedience. Repentance is a gift. It's a gift from God. It's a changing of the mind. It's a realigning the heart with God. It's listening to him and agreeing with him about our circumstances and responding with obedience. David is feeling lost, confused, and fearful. But he knows and remembers the nature of God remember back in verse 4 David leans in to the character of God he says turn Lord rescue me save me why because of your faithful love the joy that transcends circumstance is rooted in God's faithful love not in the happenstance Of our current reality. Traditionally the the third Sunday of Advent is joy. It's known as joy because it's a celebration of the joy of David. It's the joy of his covenant with God. And Psalm 6 begins with David being fearful of God's wrath and his righteous anger. But David pleads with God and David receives mercy. But see, Psalm 6, it also points to a true and greater king. In the line of David, Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus pleaded with God. But Jesus didn't receive mercy. Jesus received God's angry rebuke that our sin deserved. And at the cross, Jesus bore God's wrath. His justice demanded For our sin. See, it's only in Christ that we can be honest before God, unafraid of His anger and wrath regardless of our sin and our circumstances, because at Christmas the faithful love of God was born of the Virgin in the city of David, Bethlehem. And yet Isaiah 53 tells us this, that He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Jesus knows our grief. He understands our loss and our sorrow. Jesus became the man of sorrows in order that we can travel with him through the land of grief. And in him have joy to the fullest see we see that in mary you remember the christmas story In mary an unwed pregnant teenager whose life has just been rocked it's been turned upside down it's going to be filled with hardship and pain and discouragement and yet she sings my soul proclaims the greatness of the lord my spirit rejoiced in god my savior we see it in the disciples, after brutally being beaten for preaching Christ, they rejoice. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to be dishonored on the behalf of the Jesus. Because they believed in the promise of Jesus. John 16, Jesus says, so, that you, so you will have sorrow now, but I'll see you again. Your hearts will rejoice and no one will rob you of your joy. For some of you, that future day is today. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. I got a few challenges for us. If the band wants to come up, as I kind of go through these real quick. First challenge, let's just be honest with God. Honest with God with how you're feeling. And what is the lie that you might be believing about yourself? Second, confess the root of your grief. You know what, the good place to start is often fear, guilt, and shame. Start there. And then thirdly, What gospel truth are you going to reflect, embrace, and believe as we approach Christmas this year? Our soul wants to find ways around grief. But God says, no. He says you travel through grief, through the land of grief to get to the land of joy. But he says, and this is the good news, I'll be with you. And we'll do it in my strength and my power. Amen. I love you, church.